0: Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to comic book artist, writer and charming chap Damien Edwardson about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I just wanted to quickly let you know that my latest Kickstarter, Defend Milford Green, is in its last week. As I speak, we're just over 90% funded, so if you like the idea of Star Trek with a Victorian twist, then feel free to check it out by either searching for Defend Milford Green on Kickstarter, or by going to SignalComics.com forward slash Defend. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Damien Edwardson. How's it going? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Been been a busy day of work, um, and uh, I've I've actually been putting together um, the the project hoax um, USB yeah, cassette tapes. Actually, oh, that's such
1: a brilliant idea that? I mean, I, I backed <laughs> it when it came out, you know, mainly because like the uh, butcher kept nagging me about it. But um but no, it does look great. But no I love the, the whole cassette tapes and and the um the video game covers that Dan's done as well.
0: They're awesome.
1: Um absolutely yeah. brilliant. Brilliant idea.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait for, for people to get their hands on that. I'll be uh, I'll be putting the uh the digital uh rewards out kind of tomorrow, I think. Uh but uh yeah, over the next Good couple stuff. of weeks people will be receiving their physical um rewards as well so uh, anybody that's listening that backed it it'll be with you soon or, or is with you already so <laughs> that's brilliant awesome. yeah good time as well just in time for uh, for halloween, halloween. Oh, know, it's good stuff yeah almost like it was planned <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> brilliant awesome dude um well damien thank you so much for being uh with us on comics for the apocalypse today um it's a it's a real pleasure to have you on. Um, I mean, I've seen you on on Twitter and the like, but our, our, our pars only recently crossed at Leamington Comic Con, didn't they? they did yeah
1: yeah um i mean
0: you i mean you
1: were obviously surrounded as you were hustling away there you know I mean, uh, <laughs> with your beer mats it was, it was uh yeah. it was good but no it's nice to meet you and and you know i mean I, as i said earlier the show I, I love the show the concept is is brilliant you know um i have a real fascination for people other creators and just people generally, when they talk about things they love and about passions and about why something means something to them, and you know, and this does that. Um This concept does that. And I, I must admit, when I listen to it, <laughs> and it's a warning for anybody else that you might have on, you kind of sit there and you think, oh, it'd be easy, that. Oh, well, you know, oh, oh, you know, people are humming an hour and then when you come to doing it yourself, <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, I've spent literally nights just sitting there going through lists and, and oh man it's, it's, been, <laughs> it's tough been a nerve to pin.
0: it really is it's oh. difficult to pin <laughs> pin down particular comic comics for yeah. all the questions so um yeah i really really appreciate you spending uh spending some uh some time on on narrowing down your answers i've
1: loved it and i've been rereading old stuff as well Great. you know because a lot of these things that i'm talking about um you know, they're, they're quite old, the <laughs> majority of them. And sure. then, I've not looked at them for quite a while. And so I've been getting them out and rereading them, reacquainting myself. And then you just realise, you know, um, just how much some of them mean to you on a personal level for different different things. You know, it's not always mm-hmm. even about the book. It's about the context of when you first saw the book or, you know, which I'll come on to a bit later. But for a lot of, the, for a lot of them, it's not actually always the story per se. It's, it's other things. And it's been a real... Yeah, it's been a real blast, man. I appreciate it. Nice. appreciate the,
0: the chance to do it. Excellent. And so, um, for, for anybody that doesn't know, what do you do in the world of comics? Um, well, I'm one half of
1: Art 92, which is um, a sort of art studio that I set up recently with with my, my better half, my lovely wife, <laughs> Helena, commonly known as H. You'll see her at cons. She's the... Uh, the, the smiling one, um, <laughs> you know. And, you know, we both, we, we met in school, believe it or not, and then we ended up mm-hmm. at art college together. And we both studied illustration and portraiture. So we've always, had, we've always both had a real love of art. And uh, i mean, to be honest, dropped out of art for about 20-odd years, never touched it. Life got in the way. You know, I had a dream of being a comic artist and, and just, you know, I ended up working. And then a few years ago, um kind of got back into it again um circumstances meant you know i just needed to do something that that i enjoyed and and we kind of both got into just into drawing and painting and and relaxing it was the only thing that relaxed us and of that came you know the fact that then people started asking oh you know how can, can we do commissions can we buy stuff and we figured you know what let's Let's give it a go, you know. I mean, we're not going to retire on it, but it's just having an outlet with with Art92 where we can we can do work, we can you know we can build for work, we can sell work. It's all above board. There's no you know there's nothing dodgy with taxes or anything. Um, and it, yeah, and it's been a complete revelation for us to be honest. It's you know we're getting getting really good responses. We just launched our first book, um, Pre-Mortis, which came out. Um, we had a soft launch at Lemington when you were there and then we've got a full launch at Nottingham uh, which is happening it'll be this week as, as we're recording this on the Saturday um, and it's a, a horror anthology and it's there's two stories in there, the first one's written and drawn by H um, who by the way you know, self professes doesn't really read comics has got no idea how they work and then sits right. down and then starts creating this comic book out of the blue and i'm like <laughs> yeah all right thanks for that you know what i mean <laughs> and um and the, the second story is mine um and in the middle we've got a, a a horror poem which is written by a young manchester art uh, poet that we know and um that's that's some creepy stuff as well do you know what i mean <laughs> I'm like, nice. yeah but it, and it's come together really well we're really really proud of it you know really yeah. i mean we're always critical of your own work you'll know this uh, as a creator but we're really really proud of it man really really pleased it's had some good responses you know it's had some good reviews and and yeah so we're just you know cracking on with this
0: you too fantastic mate fantastic and where, where can people find you online
1: um we've got individual accounts but the, the easiest way is uh, we've got a website which is obviously www.art92.com and and the art92 in all of these links is just it's spelt so it's not the numbers it's a r t n i n e t w o um instagram art92 same way um facebook art92 and from there you can find our individual um accounts linked to it as well so you know I'm I'm terrible for forgetting to post on there and um you know H does does all the work sort of on the website so um, right. but yeah if people want to go there and have a look and get in
0: touch and yeah you know yeah it's good it's good please do um and, please do <laughs> uh, and, uh, all all of those links are in the show notes so uh, feel Excellent. free just to flick through there and then you can click straight through um to 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 those to that website and then to Twitter and the like as well Excellent jazz. Uh, now, um, I do have some bad news for you, um, and that is, is that there's actually been a zombie outbreak oh, this no. evening. Um, so, oh, uh, my typical, isn't it? It really no is. Sod's oh, law, mate. Sods oh, I've got to put the bins out yet. <laughs> yes, you know what what, what I mean? the heck?
1: <laughs>
0: Brilliant. <laughs> but uh, just um, my first question is, what is your action plan for survival? Well,
1: my first question is, do they walk or do they run?
0: they're walkers
1: oh right yeah okay. we're, well,
0: we're, we're, we're in walking dead territory not in 28 right. days later well that's
1: a relief because um h is just on a half marathon so if they're running okay. then she's she,
0: i'm leaving her behind do you know what i mean <laughs> <See you later.
1: laughs> um so yeah it's interesting because i mean it's funny one of the things that i always think about walkers and the walking dead is um it's like i saw a great meme once which was you know my biggest fear of a zombie outbreak is all the walking you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like, and I have, I, I have a similar fear, which is I absolutely, I have this real pathological hatred of when people say, oh, should we go for a drive or go for a walk? And I'm like, where? I said like, oh, we'll just go for a walk. It's like, no, you can't just walk aimlessly. You know, you've got to have a destination. So that's my biggest fear of a zombie outbreak. If I did turn into a zombie, it'd just be like, you know, you're just walking around, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, no. Anyway, sorry. So, um, as far as survival, I mean, to be honest, you've got to kind of be quite rational and go, you, you, you're probably not going to survive that long. Because, I mean, I live um, in the north of England, just outside Manchester. And, and if we had a zombie outbreak or any kind of apocalyptic event, I mean, we're not getting any help up here. Do you know what I mean? So you might as well just... <laughs> my my sole tactic would be to go somewhere where I could make the remaining days I've got as enjoyable as possible.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um We've got a a kind of, uh, not far away actually, we've got like a huge um, kind of uh, cash and carry place which shall remain nameless but does rhyme with Roscoe and um, I'd be straight down there because, you know, it's got everything you need to make your remaining time handy uh, and enjoyable, you know, it's got, there's there's food, there's, there's, you know, electrical goods so you could at least sort of warm food up and stuff. Um, absolutely aisles and aisles of beer and malt whiskey. So, you know, happy days there. Toilet rolls, you know, because that's the one thing I was thinking about in an Apocalypse. Yeah, It's like, I'd be, you know, people are putting like stuff in the satchels. I'd just be grabbing the nearest load of bog roll because, um, you
0: know. So yeah, on, on, on leaves, you know.
1: And that's the thing. (laughs) And you don't want that, do you? That's not you know. when it
0: gets to autumn. That is, uh, <laughs> so, that is not nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the only, but the, the, the only downside of my plan, though, would be other people. That would be the thing, you know what I mean? Well, so. That's the case. But yeah. the, the, one thing I did see when I was in there a couple of weeks ago is they had these kind of self-generated um, treadmills you know, so you, you, you power them by actually running on them.
0: Ah, right,
1: yeah. And that got me thinking because I thought, actually, what I could do is, you know, kind of wheel them all outside and line them around the building to buy a bit of time from the Genius. zombies. Because once they get on them, they're just going to keep, That's as I said, it. you know, no concept of where they're going, have they?
0: No, just um, they'll just keep walking, trying to yeah, walk and they think that they're moving. But
1: If you can hook it to a generator as well, then, you know,
0: Bing. happy days, isn't it? You can oh, maybe a maybe that's the uh, the solution to our energy crisis, called sustainable energy crisis. Is uh, yeah, create create a, a species of zombies that can just constantly walk for us. I'll leave
1: that one with you if yeah. that's all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'll, uh, I'll I'll yeah. I'll put that firmly in the, in the fantasy realm. <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's probably what I'd do anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, and as I say, uh, just make it the most of the time you've got left, to be honest. Um, right. You know, whiskey and bog roll. We're not animals nice. after all, whether it's an apocalypse or not. you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, so whilst you're, uh, you're all uh, kind of uh, settled uh, in Roscoe <laughs> um, with H, um, mm. you start reminiscing about comics Um, and the first question that comes to mind is, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Well, this is a kind of split answer, because the first comic strip I
1: remember enjoying, and I was absolutely enthralled by, was um, the stuff that used to appear in Looking magazine. I don't know if you remember Looking, because you're um, a a couple of years younger than my good self. But there used to be this magazine, which is based on popular TV and music at the time, yeah. And um, it was a British kind of staple. I think it ran from the seventies, and I think it ran through to the nineties or something ridiculous. And they used to have strips in there based on uh, anything that was on TV or bands. You know, I mean, and it, it even had like um, some of the artists that that did work in there. I think you know Arthur Ransom did some stuff on the Beatles. He did a strip, and the artwork oh, yeah. is is absolutely honestly, the artwork is phenomenal. You know, it it really was. You talk about you know the you had kind of comic strips based on on comedy shows you know you had like things like cannon and ball and you know and all these terrible things on the buses benny hill all these really old kind of um but at the time current tv shows and um but the the likenesses and the artwork in there was, was absolutely phenomenal i mean absolutely superb you know you wouldn't look at it in was oh, that meant to be you, it, it was brilliantly done
0: yeah.
1: and the covers themselves there was an italian guy um because i was doing a bit of digging because i was always fascinated by the covers and they were they were actually um sort of painted by an italian who lived in london called arnaldo putzu and he did a lot of film um posters and his most famous one, I mean, he did the carry-on posters and stuff like that,
0: really?
1: but he actually did, if you remember the the, the Get Carter poster, you know, the famous yeah. painted poster, that's him. Wow. And, oh man, the covers, okay. just Google the looking covers and you'll be amazed at, at the artwork. It was just phenomenal. But that's not the one, that's the first one I can recall seeing and being drawn to. Mm. And like most kids of my age, growing up in the in sort of mid-70s, you know, they the, uh, the local sort of paper shop had comics, they used to hang them with pegs off a, off a string, you know what I mean? And you'd go in and there was all the Marvel UK reprints and stuff. But the first comic I actually remember was um, quite predictably, I suppose, 2018. And my awesome. dad, um, dad worked down the mines. And he used to do night shifts, so we'd only really see him at weekends, to be honest wow. with you. And every every Saturday I can recall getting up and I'd come downstairs and there'd be, there'd be like some comics for me and my brother. And um, and there was like, you know, there'd be things like the Beano and and I, and I never really got into the Beano and stuff. It never really appealed to me. Uh, but my brother did. He was older than me, but he, he liked that. And uh, there was 2000 AD and, and I, I just latched onto that and I was absolutely enthralled. Uh, you know, I, I can't say early on I understood a lot of the stories, or you know, I mean, because it was it was quite you know for its time. Even then, it was you know some some complex stuff in there. But I was just enthralled by the fact that there was all these short stories and the the different types of art in there, and you know, and and that it kind of grew from there. And I got into a routine where I'd get up on a Saturday, come down, be copy 2008 i I'd literally just lie on the carpet read it from front to back go and have some breakfast come back and then immediately start you know copying the drawings and, and stuff like that and um yeah it, that so that that was for me my my first um comic and that was back in probably the first one i can recall was around about seventy nine eighty. so i was around mm. about six or seven
0: at the time wow. so That's amazing. yeah yeah and so, were, were you drawing like at this? Yeah, thing? yeah. Like, I pro, like, drew. proactively drawing because every kid's drawing, but yeah, you know, no, some kids. I, like, I I didn't proactively really draw <clears throat> much. I, do, I doodled I in class. I I used to do like uh, like military, um, You're right? Like stick drawing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, nothing nothing crazy.
1: No, I always drew. I mean, even from being really small, um, I always drew. And if we went anywhere you know it was they used to just give me my mum would give me like a, a pad and some pencils and I'd just sit and draw and I just loved it and it's weird because um I can even remember which <laughs> was probably quite bad now but being in um in junior school and they used to take me out of classes to actually paint the scenery <laughs> for the wow. you know the plays and stuff oh and um I mean it, and it was, you know, now it's with the curriculum labor, and stuff. Right? Yeah, but it was like they just used to walk in and go like, "Oh, can we, can we borrow, can we borrow it?" And I'd, I'd be like, you know, and I'd be walked into this this freezing cold hall, and then it'd be like, "Can you, can you paint this scene of Scrooge's house?" And, that, and that, I'd be there for like days on end, you know. Oh, and it, but you know, I loved it. You know, I absolutely yeah, exactly. loved it. And I, I mean, I'm sure it was terrible when you look at it, but you know, as a kid, I, I just. Just love doing it, so yeah, I've always drawn. Um, you know, it's just been something that I've always just loved doing. Just you know, uh, yeah, still do.
0: Too right, mate. Nice. Um, so, um, moving on from uh, 2000 AD. Yeah. Um, the the next question that comes up is, uh, what's the funniest comic or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most? Okay, so. Um.
1: Initially, I was gonna I was gonna talk about Grew the Wanderer, which I know I think was it Dan Butcher might have might have referenced. I think somebody's Absolutely. yeah. Um, but actually, I, I took it a step further because when I started thinking about that and looking at it, because i you know I love Sergio this work anyway. Um, I then started to think about Mad Magazine, and I don't know if you've had any exposure to Mad Magazine at all. I mean, sadly. They've recently um, ceased production, but again, growing up as a kid, I used to absolutely adore Mad. It was brilliant. You know, it was available like it seemed everywhere at the time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and their the big thing was that they used to have sort of um, independent strips in there by people like you know Sergio Aragonzi used to draw little comic strips in the in the borders of pages. You know, little tiny things that you'd you'd trace around with your finger to to read the, the, the sort of skit okay. um people like don martin who who had a really stylized and he used to do these kind of a bit like um you know the far side kind of um sketches you know those kind of drawings and stuff um they were like that and and you know but the the big thing they did was they used to spoof um sort of big films at the time you know they did like rocky and Rambo and, and you know and all these awesome. things and, they, and they've done that right up to I think they ceased um, recently but and they were so well done you know they were absolutely brilliantly done and, and it was like you look at some of the names that appear on, the, on that list and you know you had like as I say you know Sergio and Don Martin, Al Jaffe you know wow. Mort Drucker who could, could do um, a caricature of anybody you know, and you would immediately know. Mort Drucker was a, an absolute legend, and and Tom Richmond, who who is active now actually, you know, he's another guy that that's still working, um, and he's another brilliant kind of caricature. He's, he's he's kind of like Mort Drucker's, you know, kind of successor. Um, and there was another guy called Peter Cooper who did a, a strip called Spy Versus Spy, which was absolutely like brilliant i mean it was it was literally two spies one one's colored all black one's colored all white and their entire existence consisted of them trying to blow each other up and booby trap each other and it was just ridiculous but really really just genuinely funny stuff do you know like like the sort of the extreme violence of it um (laughs) was was just brilliantly done and really clever as well um but yeah, that that was kinda like it's the magazine that used to make me laugh all the time and and it was just really well observed and I didn't get all of the American cultural references, but you know, you got enough to enjoy it. Yeah. And there was a there's a great story about it actually, about um where they did an Empire Strikes Back parody and they got slapped with a kind of uh a rip from Lucas, George Lucas's legal right. team, who <clears throat> said, you know, basically we want you to withdraw the magazine, pull polar the magazines, destroy all the plates. Hmm. But what they didn't know was a couple of days before George Lucas had written to them and said how much he loved it. And he thought it was like absolutely wonderful <laughs> and, and hilarious. <laughs> so they just wrote back with a copy of George Lucas's letter going, gee, your boss seems to quite like it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and they never heard of him again, but they, they went for the jugular with it. You know, they didn't, yeah. they, not in a cruel way, but, but they were, it was brilliantly done. Um, and yeah, so that was, that's probably, if I think back now, you know, any, any, you, I could pick up any issue of that and I would be crying laughing within about 10 minutes of, of having read it because it's just so much to see in there. It was just, uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. I would recommend anybody who's not seen it, troll through the archives and have a look, even if it's just to look at how good people like Mort Drucker and Tom Richmond are at
0: capturing likenesses and stuff, you know, absolutely hilarious stuff fantastic i'm sure you could probably pick those up um probably in charity shops really yeah y- or y- i used to have a load actually and um because i've moved around
1: a bit you know eventually you had to offload stuff and um you know unfortunately you have to some things have to go don't they and i, I used so. to have a whole stack but i must have at some point um given them away to uh, you know a charity shop or something um and of course now when you look on ebay they cost a fortune don't they? And you're, like, yeah. you're, you're like, bloody hell, <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> why do i give
0: them but, away you know yeah. but there you go that's the way it happens isn't it so lovely so lovely so changing gears um the next question that crops up is what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read
1: yeah this is right so it's another one i struggled with um and again it's kind of, it takes me back to a time more than just the comics. Although in, the, in this case, it is actually um, the, com- the topic of the comics themselves. So I was torn between um, Superman issue 75, which is uh, the death of Superman. So that's mm. where he, you know, he has the fight with um, Doomsday. And each, the whole, I mean, one thing about that book is that every page, th- there's a single panel pages all the way through. And it's just this relentless fight you know, yeah. battle, fight, and it's it really is um, heart-wrenching. You know, because you, you grow up. I grew up um, loving Superman and, and Batman and things. Uh, I was more of a DC kid than a Marvel kid as growing up. And you did think Superman's invincible, and then to see him reduced to to this beaten mess is is just you know it it, it really does get you and. Then, you know the, the kind of final two pages where you know he dies in in Lois's arms, and then there's just the tattered cape, and it's like, oh man, you know it was it was, it was absolutely horrendous at the time. You know what I mean? And they genuinely did kill him for a while as well, which was good. You know they, they did cease yeah. production in there, which is was, which was kind of just to add to the kind of um, the the whole situation of it, and then you know the realism. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and and the, but the one I went for. Similar vein, I suppose. Um, Was actually Batman um, issue four two seven, which is the second issue in the Death in a Family story arc, uh, Mm -hmm. which is the death of Robin, Jason Todd, Robin.
0: Yeah,
1: and I love. I mean, you know, I love Superman. I'm a I'm a Bat guy. You know, somebody said your favorite sort of superhero. It's Batman. You know, it, it, it's, it's questionable, and, and I think some of my answers might. When I did this, I thought, oh, yeah, it does come through a bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that issue is, um, it's amazing, and, and I've reread it for the show, and you know, I was I was amazed at the complexity of the storytelling in there, and it sets itself really in the time frame. It's, it came out in 1988, um, so we were in the peak of bat mania really between you know probably between 86 through to 89 you know was dark knight returns right through uh, you know killing joke and the batman and then the film came out you know which arguably i still say is the best batman film uh, we've seen michael Keaton mm-hmm. is is for me the best batman we've ever had and i will we'll, you know happy to be argued with although you're <laughs> wrong um and and it all just got caught up in this this kind of you know cycle of Batman became the the hero that that uh, I always felt he should have been you know he got the the recognition and and stuff and then they they started to go down this more um, sort of I wouldn't say adult you know kind of. Um, turn with him but he did become when you reread the issue it does become more you know of, a, of, an, of an adult read rather than a children's read and then you know a kind of all ages read and it's really complex i mean the story jumps around from like lebanon to beirut you know there's the jokers um, obviously he's stolen a nuclear weapon and he's trying to sell it in the middle east and you know and it, it brings in there's a panel um where they end up in a, in a refugee camp in Ethiopia. And, of course, at the time, because it wasn't that long after things like Live Aid and people became aware of the famine crisis in the third world. And, and it really does take you right back to that, that mid-80s kind of era, you know, when all of these things were, were real. And it, it really does set the book in a real-world setting. Um, and that's one thing about it. It's very unsettling in that sense, you know, because you like to think of um, comics as being disjointed from reality to a degree gives you a bit of Mm -hmm. comfort that a bit of escapism but when things do start to actually become a bit close to to reality and you start to see things and read things and realize that's that's actually quite accurate i find it quite quite disturbing um so long story short you know it doesn't end well for robin um -hmm. as you might imagine (laughs) and but again rereading it you know the brutality of the way he dies you know the joker um you know the series of about five or six small panels in a row where the joker's just basically all you see is the joker with different um shots of him with a crowbar and it's it's horrendous it it really is horrendous and you know jason todd some people loved the character some people hated the character Mm. um
0: and and I kind of liked
1: did, him. Uh, that's why they did the phone-in, didn't they? They did, yeah. The phone-in was really yeah. interesting, actually, because um, I was having a read, and, and it was kind of like, you know, there was a 1-900 number. It was only open for two days. And you could, at the end of this issue, you could actually decide if he lived or died, depending which number he ran. And I think there was only 10,000-something and something calls, and there was, like, you know, there was literally 5,020-odd-4, and... Or or, you know, for him living and five thousand and two hundred for him dying. It was that close, you know. Yeah. Um but they had both issues sat in the drawer because they had to obviously get, you know, issue four two eight help. Yeah. And and they had them in the drawer ready to go. And um yeah, i I kind of I, I kind of personally at the time, um you knew he, was, he wasn't going to survive. I didn't think it would have been that close because there's a lot of negativity around the character. You know, uh, mm-hmm. People didn't like it replacing Dick Grayson and all that cool. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what, nerds? We can be like, we can be quite yeah, um, protective. Active. But it really is a raw book when you read it. It's very complex, it's very clever, and there's lots of twists and turns. And you do genuinely feel that this kid, as bad as he might be, he tries to do the right thing. At the end, and trying to do that—I don't want to spoil it if anybody's not ready—but trying to do the right thing at the end, as the the clock on this bomb is ticking down, um, actually costing his life. And it's it's a tremendous read, you know. It really is a tremendous read, and and you know, it it's just it's even when I reread it the other night, it's it's still sad now. It still made me really yeah. sad actually. Sure. Um, and it's Jim aparo Art, you know, who I think was one of the greatest bat artists, certainly my generation, yeah. and the covers uh, I'd actually forgotten, but the covers for them were, were done by uh, Mike Mignola um, right, okay. Yeah, so sort of the real, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have the uh, the sort of first prints of them oh,
0: and I was okay. reading
1: the trade as well I was looking at the trade and the trade cost me £2.50 Can oh, you believe amazing. that? Do you know two, what I mean?
0: £2.50 for a trade
1: <clears throat> I know, <laughs> it's outrageous isn't it You know what I mean um, But yeah, so that's that's the saddest book that I, you know i can think of really
0: um yeah totally um yeah, yeah very sad um i wonder if the alternate comic is floating about somewhere in the dc offices you know. there is
1: um if you get the it um, well it was re- i think they released it a few years later but if you buy oh, yeah. the online version of yeah. it um on you know Comicsology or somewhere yeah. it's actually in there I've not read it. it as well. Right. Yeah. Didn't realize. I didn't realise. I haven't read it because I, I think it's in there. But I've, I must admit, part of me doesn't want to read it. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I because I have, that. you know, I have a, a memory of how it ran. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. tempted to have a, I might have a flick through. Um, but yeah, I think they've included it in the newer trades that you get as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. As an alternate ending. But yeah, it. I think it worked well it worked well actually doing it. And the other reason I I love this book as well, and I nearly put this in, in, uh, in another category is because it's the first time that I I became aware of a concept of, of canon, like different books forming a canon. Mm -hmm. Because early on in, in the first issue of the arc, they talk about um, the Joker's sort of talking about Batman. And one of his henchmen are kind of warning him saying, look, you know, after what you did to, to Barbara Gordon. Mm -hmm. And of course, but this comes a hot on the heels of, of The Killing Joke, which yeah. nearly made my list. Um, mm. Didn't quite. Mm. Whereas the, you know, the Joker paralyzes Barbara. G- and it makes that reference to, to a story mm. that existed completely independently of the mainstream run. And that absolutely fascinated me. Absolutely mm. fascinated me. And the other thing, um, when you read Dark Knight Returns, which came out a couple of years earlier, and there's the there's the Robin outfit kind of in a in a you know kind of in a suspended tube as it were as a memorial.
0: Yeah.
1: And I remember reading that thinking, what happened to Robin? What why's yeah. you know, why is Batman so he's lamenting about Robin and he's got this memorial? And then of course, a couple of years later, this this occurs and you although it, you know, obviously it wasn't written with that intent, you start to piece it all together and it's almost like a backwards canon and it was
0: yeah.
1: and I love that. I'm a proper canon junkie for things like that I, I can bore really? for England as you can tell on canon things don't get me on Star Wars canon but um, <laughs> but yeah I, I love canon, I love it when things t- even little, little things connect. tie in or
0: oh, that floats me boat proper nice. <laughs> proper big time that. <laughs> nice, excellent um, and so the, the, the next question that pops up is what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read So I I find horror in comics
1: um, pretty difficult to to actually get that feeling of horror in a comic. I find that quite quite difficult because, you know, obviously, um, you know, you don't have the audible cues and things like that in in horror, which is, you know, quite important. And having just tried to write a a horror comic as well, I'm I'm obviously very conscious of this.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But the most unsettling comic that I've ever read, which I'm calling it a comic, but it's actually a graphic novel was, um, Arkham Asylum, the, you know, a serious house on serious, uh, is it serious ground or serious earth? I can never I remember. the serious full, sort of, yeah. yeah. And that is unsettling and it's unsettling for, for lots of reasons. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at it now in front of me. I've got, I've got most of these books laid out and I've got a battered old sort of first edition of it. Um, so, you know, there'd probably be people going, don't touch it, get it slabbed, <laughs> you know, and all that nonsense. Yeah. Um, but it's it's everything from, you know, the way that, that Grant Morrison approached Batman in a, you know, he, he kind of, I mean, he admits that he took his lead from Frank Miller, where he decided to to kind of take this kind of, you know, um, view of Batman that he was very you know almost devoid of emotion to a degree he was he was you know he, was, he had a job to do and he was focused on it but what he really does is he, he kind of reinvents a lot of the characters that support Batman mm. and the one that really genuinely as you reread this because you have to reread it because it's not a kind of book you can just read once and understand it's about like Sandman I had the same issue with Sandman where I read it I loved it but didn't really understand it I had to keep rereading yeah. it until I got it and you see things. Every time you read it, you see slight small um, clues and, and different little things that, that trigger you. And the one character that he redesigned that really freaked me out was the Mad Hatter. Now, never really had a, a, an issue with the Mad Hatter in, in the mainstream comics, but what Grant Morrison does is he basically... First of all, Dave McKean bases him on Sid James, the carry-on actor um right. so he's got he's got a look of sid james about him and and that's interesting because sid james um, used to be in a popular tv show called bless this house which i don't know if that was intentional but that's what came to me and i'm thinking oh you know that's <laughs> creepy you know what i mean but there's a there's a a kind of a definite undertone within the book that you know the mad hatter is um should we say is fond of of uh, of children uh, oh, right, it's the right. politest way I can put it. And yeah. there's a there's a there's a section at the back where they go through um, each of the characters, the the sort of villains, have a little bit where they write about themselves like a pen portrait. And it, I mean that is that is spooky on its own. You know, you kind of read it. So with Two Fates, you've got a nice typed bit on the left, and on the right, you've got this scrolled version. Um, black Mask is just black. You know, there's nothing in there at all. But Mad Hatter's got this line that said. Uh, it's only a doll's house after all. Um, I don't mind. I like dolls, particularly live ones. And that just creeps you right out. You uh, know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. some serious, like creepy stuff. And, um, but the book itself, the story itself is, is amazing. And again, I don't want to spoil it because it's something I genuinely do say, if you've never read Arkham Salmon, you should read it. Um, cause it is genius. um, but essentially there's a, there's a riot going on, there's hostages, Batman gets sent in to try and resolve things. And he just he works his way through the levels of the house. So he starts, he goes in at the basement and he works his way up as he's, he's fighting his way through Arkham. And it's, it works on a psychological level as well, where, you know, as he, as he works through each level of, of, of the mind, you know, each, each, each kind of foe has a different psychological effect on him. And he, he he has to work his way through these different elements, and it's it's a really clever book. And the artwork, I mean, mm-hmm. Dave McKean, oh man, you
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: I'd, you just kind of look at it and you think, yeah, I might pack in, you know. <laughs> um, the guy is an absolute. I love everything he's done. You know, things like Mister Punch, and that, I absolutely love his work. Mm-hmm. And there was an exhibition um, last year in uh, with the O two. Um, used to have uh, the O2 kind of dome used to have a gallery space they haven't got it anymore and they had a superheroes, DC superheroes exhibition and it was full of original art and stuff like that, it was a brilliant exhibition actually and they had some pages from Arkham Asylum in there and there's a page that when you look at the book and you look how it's done, there's, I used to always think to myself, how has he painted that? How has he painted the lace? And there's a bit with the Scarecrow where there's this Hessian mask, you know, the sack mask. And you say, how has he done that? And he did it because he actually built kind of like 3D pages, you know, it was like um, collage of, of material and other things. And, oh, when you see it, like, you know, up front and, and – Live in front of you, and you see that it's genuine textures. You know, man, it's it's something else. There's something else. The work is just, you know, oh, it's it's, it's beyond words. And it's so dark all the way through. I mean, you know, as in quite literally tonally dark as well. You know, I don't think there's a page in there that's not essentially black. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's just wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, and if if people have never read it, they really should, because it's a treat, Um,
0: but don't read it before you go to bed, probably. You know, be my advice. During the day. um, During the day with the lights on. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Not in a creepy house.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what's funny on that, sorry, waffling on, but I once read um, the first three issues of Sandman, in a, uh, we had a storm. I was living in Wales at the time, and it always used to knock the electric out. And I read it by candlelight.
0: Oh my god! Um,
1: because it was freezing cold, we had no heating. I was on my own in the house because my dad was out, um, mm. and it was just us two at the time. And I had to read this thing by candlelight, and that is what that that's one of the most petrifying uh, things I've ever done. Because you know, it's hard to read Sandman anyway, because you know it is it is dense stuff yeah. and um you know the lettering is is very creatively done in there as well but trying to read by candlelight and that fr- i got to issue three and i thought i'm packing this in because i'm gonna oh do you God. know what i mean yeah so i never <laughs> did that sense. again but it was, it was brilliant though i'd recommend if anybody fancied having a, having a crack at it do it because it, it is an experience
0: <laughs> it really is <laughs> absolutely absolutely fantastic um and so we come on to our uh one of our newest questions <clears throat> yeah uh, and that is what is your favorite cover
1: this was this was horrible, actually.
0: Yeah, um, because oh man, there's
1: just so many really you could tough. do, and I kind of went for this one <clears throat> for several reasons. And it's it's so I'll, I'll say what it is first because that's that's the easiest way I can talk about it. Yeah. So it's issue one, the cover of issue one of Preacher. um awesome. To be honest, I could have probably answered Preacher for most of the questions that you asked but yeah, I tried to mix you. it up a it bit. It? Oh, man. You know, there's, there's certain times in your life when you, you you read a book or you start to collect a book and, and you it, it does everything for you. You know, it, it makes you laugh, makes you smile, makes you kind of gasp. You admire the artwork, you know, your, the writing, the, the, the fact that it was the vertical line so it had a more adult, element to it you know and then of course as the series evolved it just gets more and more absurd and gratuitous and funny mm. and i just absolutely adore preacher uh, i really do and that first issue when i, I remember walking in i was living in, in wales at the time and there was a comic shop in rill and um i went up and i saw this issue on the on the sort of stand and i was like what's this you know and yeah i just as soon as i saw it i thought So you've got a guy who's basically dressed as a preacher in front of a burning church with this look of like, just, I don't know whether he, and the, the look on Jesse's face, it's it's either that he's completely and utterly bonkers or he knows what's coming and he's ready for it. And he's ready to have just a a real ass kicking time, but it all just fit together. And, it could have been, to be honest, when I was looking through it, it could have been any cover from Preacher because you know Glenn, Glenn's work on the covers is—it's just what an immense, you know, kind of range of covers that is. Um, you know, I've got the uh, the Preacher Dead or Alive kind of collection of all the covers by Glenn Fabrian and it's oh man, they're just—he's such an artist. The guy is such. <laughs> such a great artist. I mean, I got a chance to meet him a couple of years ago and I, oh, you know, I had, to, I had to like a right gimp, you know, I was like, oh. you know. And he's a lovely bloke as well. You know, he's a genuine, and he, he's one nice. of these incredibly humble people who actually doesn't think he's any good when you talk. <laughs> and you're like, you, you
0: what? You're kidding me, mate.
1: Oh, mate, I tell <laughs> you what. And um, as and I got a sketch of him, I had a, had a crazy photo with him and all that. And he's just a great guy. You know, he's a, he's a lovely bloke. Awesome. Um But his work and that cover, the design of it. And yeah. when you look at some of the roughs of the alternate covers that he was doing, you know, it, he landed on, on the, the one image that I think just sums the whole story up, you know? Yeah, and it's 100%. just, it's just, it's just a beautiful cover. And it takes me back to that, that time when, you know, because um, Preacher was, I remember it was about 1995, I think it was. And I'd kind mm. of dropped out of um, collecting comics for a little bit Um and I'd, um, I had um unfortunately kind of lost my and stuff like that and then you know mm-hmm. and then you have to kind of just kind of reevaluate we didn't have much money and we just had to kind of get by so co- comics were a luxury to be honest mm-hmm. um, and then I kind of started to drift back in and that uh, that was one of the first books that I started to to pick up again uh, well it was the first book I started collecting from from new. And it kind of takes me back to that time. It's like a reawakening of of my love of comics, you know. And um, so it means a lot to me on a personal level. But it's just such an image. I think it's iconic, you know. It is, um, yeah. Absolutely brilliant, absolutely yeah, brilliant. So yeah, yeah, so I'm going for preacher, but it could have been one of
0: lots, to be honest. But I mean, it re- it really kicks off the series, doesn't it? Oh, it's that image. I mean, yeah. If you know, you're, you're looking for it a new comic like you're going through comics on the, on the shelf, then that stands out. You yeah, know. absolutely. Um, and it, it is in front of a, well, above a, a burning church. It's
1: yeah. Awesome. Yeah. it appealed to me on several levels. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, <Yeah. you> know. <laughs> but it is a brilliant, it's a brilliant image. And I think it's one of those yeah. images that, you know, will never be better. You know, it yeah. is a, it encapsulates the whole, Story uh, in in one image from issue one. It's just absolutely genius. Um, so again, if if people have never read it, get it. And if if you just love the work and the covers, that that dead or alive um, vertical trade, I think you still get it. is wonderful. You know, it's got lots of stories about Glenn talking about the covers and, and you know some sketches. In there. And then it's worth getting just 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 for that alone. To be honest, it's brilliant.
0: Nice excellent Um, and so we come on to uh one of my most thoughtful questions and that's what's the most meaningful comic to you yeah a bit of a strange on this um i I did have another one in mind and i
1: kind of i've I've changed i I think i spoke to you i've I've flicked a little bit on this because i was between Mm. two to be honest and and i've gone for um and it isn't a famous issue and it isn't anything that that particularly people will will know about or resonate with but it's x-men uncanny x-men issue 167 so we're talking about the original x-men run and it's from about i'd imagine it would be about 1983 probably 82 or 83 i think it would have been about 83 and the reason i picked it about the most meaningful is um we used to we used to have a caravan so we used to, before we moved to Wales, we used to have a caravan in Wales. Like most people who lived in St. Helens where I grew up kind of used to have caravans on the coast, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, we used to go there and, and across the way there was another caravan. So you got to know your neighbours and all that stuff. And there's a family in there and there was a, there was a guy, he's a bit older than me. Obviously I was only about, uh, I'd probably been nine, nine, ten at the time and he was, he was a little bit older. And he used to see me drawing because I used to sit outside and draw you know all the time and he came over and he was chatting and he was an art student and he was a he was a comic artist and he he actually then asked my mum would it be okay if he sort of gave me some some lessons you know in 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 art and stuff so teaching me about comic strips and about perspective and how to draw you know and we'd sit and we'd draw characters together and stuff like that and then he'd introduce me to, to books, you know, and he'd sort of say, you know, this is what I'm reading at the moment. and Because, you know, we didn't have a comic shop near us, so you couldn't get... It was really difficult to get X-Men books. And it was the first time I'd ever seen X-Men, to be honest. Didn't know what... didn't Never heard of them. Um, and um, so 167 is this story. Um, and, and the story itself is kind of... It's not the story that actually appealed to me. I mean, it's one it's one of those typical... Chris Claremont runs of X-Men where, you know, there's about five subplots going on and, you know, you need, you need a degree just to work out. And you've got to, you know, if you haven't read the previous 15 issues, you've probably got no idea. So I was coming into this cold as a kid, but I was just fascinated by this. You know, I was fascinated by the characters. It's the first time I saw like Wolverine and Cyclops. And then I was fascinated by, you know, the whole, the, the story around, you know, basically there's a guy, Charles Xavier and they end up, he ends up dying and, and then they clone him and then they, they you know and it's it's really layered you know and then there's there's a little bit where the relationships start breaking up and I remember thinking this is weird because you know you've now got characters mm-hmm. kind of talking about their feelings to other characters and I'm thinking this is a bit I've never seen this before you know because normally it's a bit kapow kablam you know and all that and um it just it it stuck with me it just stuck with me. And I remember being fascinated by the whole concept of comics that weren't, not every page turn was a fight, but actually it could be pages of people just talking and, and, and things like that. And when I think about it and when I thought about the question, I thought like, I always remember that day in summer sat in this caravan, looking at this comic book, being completely enthralled by it, never seen it before, never heard of X-Men, just absolutely, gobsmacked with this this guy Chris um explaining to me about who they were and what they were and a little bit about you know Chris Claremont and just completely broadening my horizons wow. um, further than I'd ever thought they could be with comics and and that that I think that's why it means so much to me it just takes I can I can even talk about it now I can I can feel the feeling of sitting there going through this book and just being like I mean, my mouth open just you know, amazed at what I was looking at and, and not, as I say, not fully understanding it. Um, but knowing I liked it, you know, it's one of those things that you don't know why, but you know, you like it. And it it was just, yeah. And that was it. And then he used to, he used to come up every weekend, um, and he'd bring issues and I'd sit and I'd read them. And, you know, so I could, I started to get, get into reading X-Men more and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and and yeah, and and then one day he turned up with another mate of his. He was another art student called Shane, and uh, we'll come on to that in a moment as well. But the, it was just lovely, mm-hmm. you know. They had time for me. They would they would sit and draw with me and and teach me things about art that they were learning themselves. As they were creating, you know, they were creating their own comics and fanzines oh, wow. and stuff. I know it's amazing isn't it? when you
0: think about How it. How fortunate is that?
1: Yeah, it was it's great, amazing. wasn't it? And. Um, you know, I just, I always, I'm always, I'll, I'll the, always the be one grateful. Place that
0: you, you wouldn't think that there'd be like some sort of art no. gathering is <laughs> no. a Caravan Park <laughs> no. in North Wales. <laughs> no. <laughs> amazing sorry i interrupted you. There, no it's true it's true, just it? just amazes so me absurd. i mean probably these kids from like saint helens <laughs> yeah like gathering around art pads in a you know, caravan you... parking so, park.
1: so they were from stoke so they they used to oh, right, up from okay. stoke and yeah. and obviously i was there and and they were probably thinking about it now they would have been a lot older than me they'd have been about you know 17, 18, possibly. Right. Yeah. And I was like nine. And then, you know, I know Amazing. these days, you know, people might be a bit, oh, you know, what's wow. going on there? But it was just, wow. it was a wonderful, wonderful time. And we'd just sit yeah. and draw, <laughs> like, you know, and talk awesome, about characters. And, and I can remember drawing Firestorm, you know, with him. He had this obsession with Firestorm. He had an obsession with Alpha Flight as well, Chris, this guy. Oh, yeah. and, um, okay. and, you know, he'd, 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 we'd sit and we'd just draw and, and he'd, he'd taught me so much about art and comics that you know I, I just yeah I learned so much from that that there was a couple of summers you know um and I will always be grateful to him and Shane as well for the time mm. they spent you know I was just some 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 kid and and they just basically you know uh, mm. took me under their, their artistic wings and and yeah it, it's it's amazing when you think back I was I was genuinely lucky. And I'm genuinely touched this day that they they, they gave me the uh, the time and you know and space to, to to do that with them.
0: That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's good, isn't it? Have you uh, did you manage to keep in touch with them?
1: Or I tracked them. Um, well, well, instr- interestingly enough, um, I got back in touch with Chris on Facebook, and he's, he's just very sporadic on there, and he remembered right. me. You know he used to always because he was hmm. he was from Stokes, so he, I was nicknamed um our kid you know and he he was like, yeah our kid you know and it was it was weird and we had a bit of a catch up and obviously he he went more into writing than um than sort of drawing and stuff and I don't know whether he's still in the business now um an interesting sideline to this actually which which again opened my eyes at an early age was that um he, he had a polish he, he came from a Polish family so he had a Polish surname. Um, which is, I'm going to murder it now. But it was something like Plzgodski or something like that. And he used to write off. He used to send scripts off and stuff, and didn't get anywhere. So he changed his name to Roy Sinclair, and all of a sudden he started getting replies. And oh, seriously, yeah, it's outrageous. And, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, and you kind of think. Mm. And I remember having this conversation with him and thinking, yeah, you know, it's. And even back then, I was I was acutely aware that you know things like that do happen. Sadly, yeah. um, I'd it's like to think sad, less so today, but. Yeah. You know, he he was aware of it, and then he chested it out, and he did start mm. to get more more nibbles. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm still, you know, he he pops up now and then, and you know, on on Facebook, he's married now with with a family and stuff, and mm. um, and I'm also still in touch with uh, with Shane uh, on Facebook, and Shane of Chris and Shane, as it were, is uh, actually Shane Oakley, who is is rather a more established um, comic book right. artist. How amazing um, is that? I know. Do you know it's <laughs> bizarre because, again, you know, until the the, the book of faces as, as uh, Vince likes to call it appeared, you know, yeah. you, you kind of think you're never going to catch these people. And um, I was looking at I was, I was looking at some stuff, some work, and it was the old. I, I bought some old um, issues of Albion. It was a six issue run um, from from quite a while. But Alan Moore and Laymore wrote. And it was, it was a kind of, they brought back a lot of the old IPC British superheroes and, and did this kind of story around. It's a great story if anybody's never read it. It's really worth reading it. And I looked and I thought, Shane Oakley? Oh, I'm sure that's the Shane Oakley that I used to know in the caravan. I thought it can't be. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, so I tracked him down and, and sent him this very odd kind of message. And he remembered me. It was amazing. You no, remember, you know, like it must have been probably what twenty, twenty odd, maybe yeah, maybe maybe thirty odd years later. He still remembered me, and now we we you know we we converse quite a lot on Facebook. I've got some of his original work and stuff, and um, and he's a great artist, you know, um, brilliant, but very very unique style and brilliant. But yeah, so after all this time. So uh yeah, that's still in incredible. touch now. I did warn him I was gonna I was gonna mention him on the pod, so um yeah, yeah he doesn't he doesn't do fame and stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> no.
0: But it's <laughs> amazing that <clears> they stars with a line like that.
1: It's weird, isn't it? It's weird. Mm. I mean I always say life's about timing and you know, and that's it. You know, I don't I am kind of a bit of a, a Rationalist, I don't believe in kind of fate and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. believe that life's about a series of, of timing and and you know, and you meet people and you know sometimes it's a very small world, isn't it? You know, as Captain beefart mm-hmm. said, you know, it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to undercoat it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um and it's just about timing in life. And sometimes you know you find that it is the, the comics world is a very small world. It's an even smaller world within a small world, and it's it's. You know, you you do find yourself just realigning with people. Um, And, yeah, as you you get older, it happens more as well. You know, I've noticed this, that I'm coming across people that I thought had long gone. And then all of a sudden, you just, you know, it's like, wow, you know. It happened, um, I went to, sorry, I'm waffling on it, but, you know, I went to Rex and um, Comic Comic Con, and I went to meet John Wagner and Carlos Esquerra, because I'd never seen them both together. And... I'm queuing up, and I got there, and it was, you know, it was a very nice convention, but there was they only had like about three artists or comics people, were you know, and the, and the rest of it was right. like people who'd been on some American TV show I'd never heard yeah, of and stuff right. like that. Yeah. And but John and Carlos sat there like nobody near them, and I'm like, this is ridiculous because I'd previously yeah. been to the 2000 ad fortieth, and you couldn't get, you know, you poor Carlos, I think he drew for like nine hours straight, you know, what I mean, yeah, it was yeah. th- ridiculous. So I went up and was having a chat and stuff. And then as I'm queuing up, there's a voice behind me, and it's this guy. And he goes, Damien. I'm like, "Yeah." He turned round, and it was a it was a guy from school um, that I hadn't wow. seen in about thirty years, and he, and he was queuing up for Carlos as well. He's going, "Oh, I remember you drawing. You know, he used to draw dread and stuff like that, and and you know, and yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And he had his daughter with him. He was grown up, made you feel old, you know. But it's yeah, like there's two middle aged men nerding out over poor John and. Carlos, you know, yeah, but, and she's uh, looking uh, suitably unimpressed. But, um but yeah, it's weird how these little intersections happen, isn't it? And you know, yeah, if it happens, enjoy it. That's the thing I say to people. Make you know, really enjoy it because they are nice when you look back. These absolutely. these little things. Nice,
0: excellent. And so uh, we move on to our, our next question, um, and that is, uh, what is the most underrated comic that you've read?
1: Initially, I was going to go for Warrior, um,
0: right. and
1: I don't know if you – because you're quite new into the comics, aren't you, in, in a relative right. sense? Yeah, I thought yeah, you were. Yeah, and, and totally. Yeah, so Warrior was um, – and again, forgive me if you know this – it was a kind of early 80s kind of magazine, uh, Dead Skin um, edited it and did it. And it was – you know, it had people like Alan Moore in the, the, the absolutely wonderful – Steve Dillon, who I adore, um, with, yeah. with laser, you know, axle press button, laser eraser, you know, they, what a fantastic concept and duo. It's where V for Vendetta first, um, you know, was, was released um, with Alan Moore, David Lloyd. Um, so it, it did some, you know, brilliant stories. And again, it was the same kind of 2000 AD thing where, you know, it was that, you know, that kind of pulpy paper, black and white. And that really, that that again really kind of left a mark on 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 me, um, because it was like a slightly more adult 2000 AD and and it was just I loved it, you know. Um, I was I was I was looking at them the other week, you know. I've still got them, and I was like just flicking through, and they're all battered, you know. But oh mm-hmm. god, even now they stand up, you know. Steve Dillon's work is just shines and, and david lloyd those those black and white reprints uh, well the original prints of v for vendetta are brilliant so i was going to go for that but actually what i did do was um i've gone for something which um is a bit of a mouthful um <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's probably the most recent book that i've got in the list which is so are you ready for this oh. it's the forbidden brides of the faceless slaves in the secret house of the night of dread desire
0: <laughs> and it's written by Neil Gaiman. I was gonna say, guess who came up <laughs> yeah. with
1: that title? <laughs> and it's written by Neil Gaiman and it's illustrated by a certain I've never really heard of this guy much, but it's a certain guy called Shane Oakley, believe it or not. Amazing. And, and you know what, mate? It is it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it is it is a it's it's only a thin Book and it was apparently a story I think Neil Gaiman wrote in 1983 or something and as a short story, mm-hmm. and then he decided that he he wanted to do something, but then reworked it. and And Shane was working on it, and um, but oh man, I'd, I I rave about this to everyone, and it's a it's just it's just a beautiful piece of art. It's a piece of art, and if you if you've never seen Shane Oakley's work. And you want to get a feel for when I said he's got this unique style. And he, he is so wonderfully um, adept at using, you know, minimal palettes and and, and yeah. black and white. And I don't know if you've seen any of this at all, if yeah, you've yeah, had a yeah, Google yeah, of it. Of, I mean, I've, I've oh, pages, yeah. you know, and the story is a bit, um, as you would imagine, sort of uh, odd, uh, you know. And, and I can't <laughs> profess that it's it's not... Particularly the story that drives me. Yeah. But you put that with the art, and it's beautiful. It's about a guy who lives in a gothic world trying to write a serious story, you know, a serious gothic story. And he can't because obviously every time he tries to write it, it becomes absurd. And he can't stand why it's becoming absurd. And he, he says, Oh, I keep, you know, I keep making jokes and you know i'm trying to get to the human condition of you know living in a gothic world and of course the whole point of gothic worlds is they are absurd you know the whole kind of idea and, and you know the, the creaky sort of mansions and the ghosts and the ghouls and the butler. you know it's all very hammy and and, and absurd so he is actually t- he is actually unbeknownst to him recording what Living in, you know, the, the human condition of a, a gothic writer in a gothic world would do, but he doesn't see that, and and it's got, you know, it's just it is it is very clever, but the artwork is it's to die for. Um, I mean, it, even just the the simple layout of the pages and stuff. I'm just flicking through it now, and you know, I often just pick it up and just flick through. It. I don't read it; I just flick through the pages because the the the, the color palettes, the 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 design of the pages, everything about it, is just—it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And and you know, it's—it might not be everybody's cup of tea. Um, I know some people have a bit of a down on Neil game and stuff. You know, it can be a bit—you um, know—sometimes out there. Parod- Yeah, he, you know, he can becomes a bit of a parody of himself, doesn't he? you know. But you know, fair play—he's earned it, I think. But Shane's work is just wonderful. And my one regret is that he was selling some of the original pages. Um and I couldn't quite afford them at the time. Yeah. And I wish now I'd pull the trigger on some of them because I just yeah. I just it's just beautiful. And I would I would really say to people, you know, if you love that kind of um Art style, you know, that kind of Mike Mignola, very heavy black, whites and tones, and, oh, and yeah. it's it's yeah. in that kind of um, ballpark, honest? really. Yeah. But it isn't it isn't a Mike Mignola type ripoff, and you know, I like, you know, it isn't. This is this is Shane's style, and all his work is of this style, and all the stuff he does is of this style, and it's it's uniquely him. But it's absolutely gorgeous, and even if I didn't know the guy, you know, and you know, we're not best buds, but we know each other. I would still have picked it because it's just gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous, um, and it never got the acclaim that it should have done. You know, it, it really deserved to be on, like you know, talked about and and revered as well as as well as some other books, which I don't think personally are quite as as accomplished. But yeah, so that's that's the one. Forbidden. If you type in "Forbidden Brides, it usually pops up, so you don't have to do the whole the
0: whole thing. <clears> the yeah.
1: It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, deserves a bigger
0: audience. Fantastic. Um, and so we come on to the the most difficult question, and that is for you, what is the best comic of all time? Um, right. Now this was this was tough.
1: Um and as I say, you know, it could have been it could have been Preacher, it could have been some stuff from Sandman, it could have been any number of, of, of things. Um You know, I even toyed with some of the the, the 2000 AD issues that particularly stuck with me, you know. um, But what I went for in the end was, and again, it was more about not just the book, but about what it meant to me and how it, even now it takes me back to a different time. And it is, it's um, The Dark Knight Returns, which, you know, you may have had before, I can't recall, but. Man, you know, this this I think I said in, when I replied, this book like rocked my world completely in awesome. every sense. Um I grew up with, you know, the Neil Adams, Jim Aparo kind of clean cut Batman, you know, and although as the stories start to get a little bit more kind of gritty, he was still this, you know, he he was a he was a you know, he was a good guy. Um who felt he needed to to do what he did? He was driven by this this need to to protect others as a result of what happened to him. And then when Dark Knight Returns hits, oh man, you know it was like nothing else, it was like nothing else I'd read at the time. And and I mean even even things like Watchmen, which I love, you know the Watchmen series, but you know it, this to me means so much more because it took a world and it took characters and it did something with them i'd never seen done with a mainstream character before and that was completely turned them around and you know make them to a degree um almost if you set the dark knight frank miller's dark knight against batman they would they would they would be fighting each other in the sense that you know they're not the same person and it's it just Oh, it's difficult to put into words because the first time I ever saw anything about it was I was in an English lesson, believe it or not. <laughs> and we had this really, we had this really cool English teacher, and his name was Mr. Price, and he was a bit, a bit out there. And he he had this big um, like article. I think he printed it out, The Guardians, photocopied it, and stuck it on the wall. And it was about the Dark Knight Returns. It was a write up about Frank Miller writing this comic oh, and what man. he was doing with it. I wish
0: it. I had an English teacher
1: like oh, that. Oh man. do you know there's two things that stick with me with this guy firstly well three things one is he always said to me don't listen to other people you know and even teachers he said listen mate you do what you you'll follow you'll find your own path and you're going to make your own path and don't let other people stop you doing stuff and that always stuck with me Mm um and then there was this thing with with the dark knight returns which completely i just stuck on the notice board back of this classroom which I was reading, thinking this is a, this is a I've got to have this, this is immense. So I badgered my mum, you know, like, literally. It's when you had to send um, postal orders off to Forbidden Planet to get issues because we didn't have to, right. you know what I mean? This is, like, different world, you know what I mean? Snail <laughs> no. Um, uh. Oh, mate. Right. <laughs> and and the other thing, he introduced me to uh, Joe Bob Briggs as well, which I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Bob Briggs, mm-hmm. but he's uh, there's a guy called um, John Bloom who created this character called Joe Bob Briggs, and he's a film reviewer, and he reviews kind of, mm-hmm. like, driving movies. And he, he created this character, Joe Bob, who's a, this loudmouth Texan. And he, he rates films on, you know, how many beheadings, boobs and things like that are in a film, you know. But the guy who created the character is a really accomplished critic and a clever, clever writer. And this persona, of Joe Bob Briggs, and he, he wrote this book called Joe Bob Goes to the Driving. And it's my, if somebody said to me, what's, your, what's the one actual book you could take like anywhere, ever, you could only have one, it would be that. Because it's so funny, and it's basically a series of reviews of films, and it, you know, and he reviews the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all it, which is my favourite film of, of um, horror film of all time, and it's just it's written with such humour. And this whole story about, you know, he's got this French girlfriend and he ends up going to Cannes and then it's, and it's he's a Texan out there. And it's just, it is really funny. And again, this English teacher, it's not, it's not necessarily aimed at, you know, I was probably, what, um, I'd have been 13 at the time. It's not aimed at dour audience, but he kind of came up to me one day and he went, have a read of this, mate. You're going to love it. And he gave me this copy of Joe Bob Goes to the Driving and I devoured it. And uh, I've, I've still got a copy now, actually. It's out of print now, but... And he was such a cool guy, but he, he's the one that first flagged Dark Knight Returns. And um, I thought, I've got to have this. And it's amazing that some books you read them and you go back to them and they don't quite hold up. You know, they don't quite, mm, you go back and yeah. go, oh, I enjoyed it and I still enjoy it, but it's not quite as good as I thought. And this isn't that, you know, this is, you know, you, you've, 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 I tried to write a summary of it, you know, and I, I gave up because there's just so much in it. And it's kind of like, you know, it's this world where basically, you know, the world's gone to pot. Batman's gone. You know, he's become completely disillusioned. He's retired. Um, You know, Bruce Wayne's disappeared. And he's spending his time kind of just racing cars. And and as a result, because Batman was, was Gotham City, you know, once he's gone, and they've got this protector, it all just goes horribly, horribly wrong. And it's, a, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of different takes on Dark Knight, where there's the political takes and, and stuff like that. Mm. But essentially it's about what happens when the person who keeps control is no longer there to keep control. And human nature is things go horribly, horribly wrong. And, you know, and again, you, through the process of the book, you know, he, he comes back as, as the Dark Knight, he comes back as a, very different Batman to what he was, you know. And he, he's, um, he he no longer pretends to be a good guy trying to do the right thing. He, he very much comes back with this this attitude of I will just do what I need to do to make things right, you know, and and to stop these things happening. And and you know, it, it's the violence in there, and it isn't it isn't an overly violent book in that sense. But you know, he he doesn't he doesn't take prisoners. You know what I mean, and and. You know, there's a guy where he, he basically, you know, kicks a guy and cracks his spine and he's like, oh, he's young, I'm sure he'll learn to walk again. And there's these little things where you think, Jesus, you know, this guy's like, <laughs> he's off his rocker. You know, he's completely bonkers. And, but you you know why? You know, you, you get why and you get the sense of why. And, you know, he's, he's spent his life, dedicated his life to trying to make the world a better place for nothing.
0: Mm.
1: And so he's like, right, you know, bugger this, <laughs> I'm going to have a, yeah. you know, and then there's the whole thing around, you know, um, you know, he, he, there's this confrontation with the Joker and, and you know, how he, you know, he, I mean, spoiler, but you know, he, he kind of, he breaks the Joker's neck, but doesn't break it enough to kill him. And the Joker's taunting him about this, saying, you know, you still can't get the job done. And then he finishes him off. And it's like, you know, you're reading that thinking, Jesus, you know, what is going on? And, you know, Superman comes into the picture, and you know he's a bit of an arsehole to be honest. And and you know, mis- because he's this complete polar opposite of like I am the good guy. And you know, and, and obviously the Superman Batman relationship's a brilliant thing, anyway. Mm-hmm. You know that love hate thing. You know, yeah. um, and and now all that plays out, and it's just a it's a tremendous piece of work, and it just takes me back to that feeling. Even now when I look at it, that feeling of a bit like the X-Men book when I, had my, I looked at it and I thought, Jesus, what's this? You know, this is, this, is, this is incredible. Dark Knight does that, but on a different level where it takes something I'm familiar with and completely turns it around. And I remember thinking to myself, you can do anything in comics. You know, you can take established characters and if you do it right, you can do anything with them you know and that blew my mind that absolutely blew my mind and you know i've kind of had a bit of an obsession with like aging heroes and aging villains i've done a few paintings in the past about you know what what if heroes got old you know and and things like that because i love that idea of you know they don't stay the same they get older and they they change and it i think it comes from this it comes from this view of you know like this this bit of reality where you think wow, you know, you, you've taken Batman and you've turned him into this complete lunatic, but you still root for him, you know, and mm. it's it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And of course, it's got a little bit of a twist at the end. And, you know, it's it's superb. It's absolutely superb. And it just takes me back to being stood in that classroom looking at it. I can see it now. I can still see the, the image I'm talking to you. Pinned up on this notice board, this big a, kind of A3 sellotaped-up awesome. photocopy with a drawing of Batman and Robin in Frank Miller's style, with yeah. this text and just me going like, "What the, you know, bloody hell is this?" <laughs> you know, and then that was it. Then you know, before, man, she she had hell, you know, because I had to have it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So I've got several versions. The, the version I've got here is really old and battered. Um, nice. You know, but I can't help it. you know, I just love it nice. it's a tremendous book, so yeah, that would be I think for me personally that's that's my favorite book of all. and you know people may argue it's not the most meaningful book or the most well written book or whatever, but for me, it's the most important book that yeah you know in my my development of a as a comic fan and as a creator it just it just took all the the breaks off basically
0: which was amazing. Nice man. I and mean, so uh, we come on to our last question in regards to to comics and that is if you could only take yeah. one comic into uh, this zombie apocalypse, uh which would it be?
1: It I, I went for The Dark Knight Returns. And the reason I went for The Dark Knight Returns isn't just because I've just talked about it and mm. I'm sure you let it it down to like about three seconds going, it's great. Um, <laughs> it was because, actually, if you think about the context of, of there's an apocalypse, it's all gone to pot. You know, you're going to need a bit of a kick up the arse to think, actually, if I'm going to survive in, in Roscoe with, with me single malt and protect myself for a while and, and, you know, make sure H is OK, although she'd probably be looking after me. Um you're gonna need something that's gonna get you stirred up a bit. And you could I could I could in that situation I could see myself as a grizzled old Bruce Wayne without the money, obviously. Um I'm just thinking, right, you know, balls to this. I'm gonna, you know, enough of this, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a crack. And I think it would give you that sense of, you know, there's a little bit of hope in this book. There's a little bit of hope, and it is a little bit of hope in a sea of crap. And I think that would keep me going for a while I and mean, it would give me that that strength to keep fighting on when, you know, no doubt some, you know, some idiots trying to break in and steal my, uh, you know, my tuner and, and stuff right. like that, you know. Uh, I, I nearly said ravioli then, but I don't want to upset the ravioli king on that one, do you know what I mean? I don't oh, want him God. knocking on my door. Good. God. I, I have enough problems, yeah, you know what I mean?
0: T- tuna king and the ravioli king that, uh, that's a whole that mini series
1: isn't it you know what <laughs> I mean man be like, <laughs> season 7 of walking <laughs> dead or whatever you know what I mean um, but yeah this would keep me just at that level where I'd be I'd just be that little bit you know angsty enough that I'd still put up a fight so uh, yeah so Dark Knight Returns that'd be the one for me
0: nice and uh, with, with your uh, copy of the Dark Knight Returns uh, what weapon, tool or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you? I've got to be honest with you. I couldn't, I'm not big on weapons, so I don't like guns
1: and stuff like that. You know, yeah. a bit weird like that, you know, strangely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I can, as I said when starting off, I'd kind of be of this mind that, do you know what? Like the inevitable is going to happen, let's be honest. So it's all about making as much of the time you've got as possible so i don't think i would have a weapon as such i think what i'd probably do i'd make sure i had plenty of um of of pens pencils paper so we could just you know we could create we could draw we could write we could just record things and i think you've had a similar answer before and actually you know Mm. it would be the thing i would do because i think the one thing that would probably do more good than anything else um would be to just record the events that go on you know the mad ramblings as as, you know the food stocks start to wear down and you're down to Mm -hmm. your last 18 cases of of glen moran's or whatever you know Mm -hmm. and you know you start panicking a little bit and worrying and i think that's kind of what i do and i reckon if i had nothing if i didn't have to go to work full time and all that i'll probably get a few more issues of the comic out as well you know what i mean and and yeah you know if people found it wanted to read (laughs) it'd it be be happy days on it but yeah um i don't think i'd go for a weapon I'd, my weapon of choice would be um you know art equipment <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> no, bizarrely yeah. and at least i'd have plenty of reference to it from outside on the treadmills wouldn't I? so you know yeah, that'd be quite sure. good as well um so yeah <laughs> rather boringly I, I i wouldn't try and fight my way out i'd kind of just bed in really and you know stick some music on have a dance and a drink that'd be it and draw <laughs> Like a Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice,
0: mate. It's another Saturday night <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Shut up, you zombies. <laughs> Excellent. Um well, uh Damien Edwardson, thank you so much for sharing your comics with the Apocalypse. You're welcome.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh it's been an absolute it's... pleasure, mate. No,
1: then and apologies if I've waffled slightly, but um, you know, it, it's fun. passion and stuff. It, it just it is a passion, and you know, and I love I love just hearing people's stories. And I, I hope people have taken something from this, you know. Um, and if anybody disagrees with my choices, then that's fine, you know. Just <laughs> you're wrong, <laughs> but you know, but no, that's you know. Funny. I mean, I love it. I love they're going. Oh no, yeah, I wouldn't have gone for that one. I'd have gone for that one. <laughs> but you know, I've really enjoyed it, mate. And I, I genuinely appreciate you having me on, and um, and I hope. You know, I hope this is all
0: okay when you you cut it together and stuff. So, um, brilliant Excellent. stuff. Excellent. And then one more time for the listeners: where can they find you? Uh,
1: you can find me. Well, you can find me this on coming up uh, Nottingham Comic Con, but this will come out after that, obviously. And then we're doing another signing at Comic Den in Oldham. Um, so, if you are around and this is out in the next couple of weeks, you can see us there. We'll be at various cons under the Art92 banner throughout next year. i uh, have already got a few lined up um on the web dot 92com and again all written um same on instagram same on twitter facebook or wherever it might be um and i'm damien ed 666 on i think it's twitter i can never remember but you can track us all down from the oh i can't, I can't remember um but you can track us all down from the art 92 pages um, yeah, and uh, please, you know, get in touch and let you know. Let me know if you enjoyed what I talked about or not. Absolutely. Preferably not. If not, you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> but um, but no, it'd be oh, good. Be sure to check out Damien's uh, Damien's work. It's absolutely fantastic.
1: Oh, thank uh, you. Particularly your uh,
0: your recent uh, Vanguard cover. Oh yeah, of course. You're, oh,
1: I was saying to Dan, I was
0: um, I was really nervous about that.
1: because yeah because you do your own work and it's your stuff but Mm. when you get given somebody else's toys to play with Mm. there's a real Mm. sense of like oh hang on a minute now you know this is this is kind of and especially when it's not i mean you know don't get me wrong if it's a if i was lucky enough to do something for a bigger company slightly different you know, because you kind of you, you know what you can play and there's, there's there's things you can do, and it doesn't really matter to them. You know, if if it's not quite <clears throat> right, um, you know, people will forgive you because everyone's gotten into a position. When you talk about individual creators mm. and and the work that Dan has put in to Vanguard, which is a brilliant, yeah, yeah. If nobody's ever read it. It's absolutely superb. It was a re- I was I was honoured to do it. And but I I felt a real sense of responsibility to not cock it right up, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was really chuffed when he liked it. It's like I was sending him roughs a bit, and then I'd hear nothing. and I'm sat there going, He hates it, he hates it. i have be going, Sorry, not written back, he hates it. And then you know, he'd come on going, You're All right, mate, yeah, it's brilliant, <laughs> you know. So, uh, <laughs> you and you, I'm man. just doing another cover for um, a comic called The Dead Next Door, which is by another creator called uh, Lucius Michael Cropsey, and that's coming out soon. Um, And I'm working. I'm working on his property for him, and and that's another one where I've I've been absolutely racked with, you know, guilt about is this good enough? Is this, you know? Um, But yeah, I'm pretty chuffed. They they came out okay. Uh, They seem pleased with them, so that's great.
0: That's excellent, mate. So everybody, go check out Damien's work on his on his Twitter feed and uh, and uh, his website as well. Um, And those links are in the show notes, so you can just click straight through. Easy peasy. Brilliant. Excellent. Thanks, mate. And um, well, yeah, thanks very much for your for your time this evening, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully um, I'll I'll catch you at another con soon.
1: Yeah, hope so. Hope so. Um, you know, and and again, thank you very much for having me on. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. I
0: really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Fantastic. Thanks, Damien. Cheers, man. Cheers, Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Damien for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. And if you'd like to check out Damien's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.